Hello, everybody, and welcome to Laughing Liberally Milwaukee, the podcast. Brought to you by the Shepherd Express, I'm your host, Matthew Filipovich. Every episode, I'm going to bring on one of the regular comedians from Laughing Liberally Milwaukee, which, when we're not in a horrible, awful global pandemic, is a monthly live progressive political stand-up comedy show. We're going to discuss and joke about a news story, and then we'll talk a bit about comedy. I am so excited that our guest this week is the hysterical Cal Smith. Cal, thank you so much for being on the show. Not a problem. Thanks for having me. All right. So, Cal, after the Donald Trump-inspired insurrection at the U.S. Capitol last week, former Milwaukee Sheriff David Clark, who, by the way, now goes by the self-titled moniker America's Sheriff. America's Sheriff. Just because you call yourself something doesn't actually make it true. I'm not a very good cook, but there is literally nothing stopping me from calling myself America's Chef. In fact, I might start going by America's Chef. So, so the former sheriff right now, he holds no office. He has no authority whatsoever. He dresses up with his fake medals. He goes on right-wing talk shows. And he calls himself America's Sheriff. We also know how, how calling yourself America's mayor is working out for Rudy Giuliani, right? So anyway... Ex-Sheriff Clark, he went on Parlor, the right-wing site, before it was shut down, and he wrote the following here. Quote, ALERT! He wrote it in all caps, just so you know it's serious. ALERT! If you attended the Trump rally in Washington, D.C. last Wednesday and are contacted by the FBI or they come to your home, then he goes to caps lock again. Again, this is getting serious. You do not have to talk to them. Don't let them in your home either. Politely tell them to leave and close the door. Then, after misspelling the word capital, he goes on to write, trust no government official right now. All right, look, I am not a supporter of the racist policing system in the United States, but it is hysterical. It's hysterical that we have a former law enforcement officer from the Republican Party who claims to be the, quote, law and order party. Trump's whole racist campaign was run on being the law and order party, party, and he's telling people, do not cooperate with law enforcement. America's sheriff says, do not cooperate with law enforcement. Cal, what is your take on all this? Well, my first note was, well, ACAB, obviously. (laughs) (laughs) But it feels really wild to come full circle to seeing how right-wing conservatives want to act similar to leftists and saying that they shouldn't trust the government. (laughs) I feel uncomfortable as a leftist when I see this because there's definitely nuance there to each side. I'm like, is there really a need for comedy to exist when this reality that we exist in every day just gets stranger? (laughs) Especially with having a former law enforcement official now publicly posting these things, not just in lowercase, but caps, because you really got to make sure that everyone can hear you yelling on the internet. Um, (laughs) It's interesting, though, because it seems like figures such as Clark Uh, do a lot to try to discredit like the Black Lives Matter movement and its rhetoric and it's spewing this rhetoric in which that like perpetuates violence even if it's alluded to and that's what I caught in this article is like he wasn't like saying go out and hurt anyone but he was using a lot of rhetoric like we're gonna take what we want and take things back and that like really ties into a lot of here's my women's and gender studies major coming into play but a lot of you know rape culture and patriarchy and all these really scary things that we've seen emboldened over the past four years actually one of the one of the quotes from another parlor was one of the end ones was about uh twitter and he literally says only force will defeat this so it's i mean like literally force like 
Like that, he is saying that it's not even not even subtle at all. Well, and I think it's important to acknowledge that there were people in that storming the Capitol that were ridiculous and hilarious and have been made into memes. <laughs> but then there are the people that had the money privilege to take time off, invest in a bunch of guns. I mean, I grew up and lived in Indiana. Um, my father's actually a Trump supporter. And before the election, he purchased a gun. So if anyone has insight into the mind of a Trump supporter, it is myself. So when I read this, I definitely had a certain lens that I was reading it with since it is somewhat, you know, it's kind of personal to all of us in one way or another, whether you have someone in your family or you interact every day with someone, you know, cause we all like go to the gas station. We all go different places and you don't know who you're interacting with unless you're like passing by. There was just the protest here in Madison yesterday that they called the national garden for someone said that the turnout wasn't that huge, but you know, after we saw how many people stormed the Capitol and people weren't prepared, which I think I still hold a little contention with that as a leftist, how they couldn't have been prepared when we were, you know, macing and pepper spraying people in the middle of a respiratory pandemic over racial injustice protests last summer. But I mean, there, are, there are some videos of cops opening up the gates and, and some have been fired, you know, the Rage Against the Machine song is coming to life, right? Yeah, I like the <laughs> video better where there's that guy that's like an alt-right conservative and he's got some like American flag or some sort of Trump flag and him and this woman are dancing to a song by Rage Against the Machine and I think Tom Morello shared it and was like, not really what we were going for, but thanks. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I think all of this is a great example of how fascism should never be given a platform. But it's, inter- Clark, characters, characters, I mean, Clark is a character, right? Yeah. Um, it, it reminds me somewhat of things that have happened with Kanye West, to be quite <laughs> honest, because you'll find movements that will find like one marginalized person and then they want to put them on a pedestal. So then it makes it okay to perpetuate that, perpetuate that racism. I saw that play out in Indiana when I worked for Planned Parenthood and they sent me to like a, a tea party rally. Oh, God, even the babies at that rally knew I was gay. I was trying to be there undercover, and it was very uncomfortable. (laughs) But they had a man go up that was Black, and he talked about death panels and all this stuff with health care and Obamacare. And I was like, this is the only Black person at this rally. But it's important that we note that he's behind the podium and he's speaking. So what he's saying is emboldening all this racism amongst all these white people that have attended. So that's kind of... The mind, like the train of thought I had in reading this article, is like people that look up to America's sheriff <laughs> for knowledge and wisdom. It's coming from someone that isn't a marginalized identity. So that brings us, you know, back to like what kind of values someone holds when we're going to listen to what they have to say. And I think in the past four years, we've really realized that. Words do have power. Four years ago, everyone was saying, oh, it's just a joke. I'm just joking. This is just satire. Well, look what happened when we let satire have a platform. Yeah. And as someone that started comedy in the middle of all this nonsense, yeah. I've really seen that taken off at open mics and other spaces where people are like, oh, well, he was just joking. Why are you so upset? And I'm like, no, that was homophobic. That was racist. <laughs> like, this is not okay. Yeah. Well, speaking of speaking of comedy, another aspect of this podcast is actually a discussion of the art of comedy. Uh, what might listeners, Cal, be surprised to hear about doing stand-up comedy? Doing stand-up comedy, 
I don't know. It's, it's an experience for sure. Um, sometimes it feels like an ethereal experience, especially now with the pandemic, but pre pandemic, it was just a way to connect with people over just everyday things or things that you found interesting as observations or like a lot of my own comedy is just real stuff that's happened that is legitimately funny and I don't have to do much. I just retell what happened because my life is so awkward. (laughs) Um, But I found comedy by just, uh, it was kind of by coincidence. I did it once. I researched it for like six months. I didn't expect to perform more than once. Um, And then I got such good feedback afterwards that I was like, oh, I guess people really like these jokes. And then I happened to find it right before I got evicted and dealt with a lot of homelessness on and off for three years. And for a while, before my health got really bad, uh, for a while, comedy and storytelling was a way for me to express myself and work through some of my trauma or just like all the stressful things I was feeling. Comedy in the stage shouldn't be therapy, but we do (laughs) acknowledge that it sometimes is. And we're all without health care half the time. So, you know, sometimes (laughs) it is that, but in a good way where you harness it and subvert all these things that we're feeling, whether it be homophobia or racism or xenophobia, you know what I mean? All those things you can subvert on stage. So that's why I think, you know, to come back to this article and all the things going on, that's why giving a platform is important, but what do we give a platform to and what do we embolden and what do we empower? Um, I think that's really what comedy can like open up to in a lot of ways. Anytime I've worked with you, I feel like you do that. That's why I like working with you. Uh, thanks but so much. There are some people that embolden and give stage time to the wrong things. So I think, you know, comedy is just one example that like it's an amplifier, right? You know, we can amplify certain voices um, just like the media does with everything going on with politics. So I, hopefully that's a muddled answer, but hopefully that's good enough. Absolutely. Well, speaking of platforms, where can people find you on social media? I am on multiple social media. I have never made a TikTok, but I have one. It's at Cal Smith Comedy. You can find me on Instagram, Facebook. I'm pretty sure I do have a Twitter. Twitter <laughs> and TikTok don't have a ton, but I'm going to be posting more content on there because now that the pandemic is kind of you know sticking around here for a while, uh, I plan to put out some content. I'm actually really excited to see how accessible comedy has become since the pandemic. So I hope some of these things can still stick around after the pandemic because I've seen how accessible it's been for myself and also for other people and friends that I have that are wheelchair users and whatnot. So uh, that is one thing that I've liked. But yeah, check me out on social media at Cal Smith Comedy on all all or most platforms. (laughs) Cal, thanks so much for being on the show. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. All right, everybody, I want to thank you so much for listening to episode 15 of Laughing Liberally Milwaukee. We have new episodes with a new comedian on the first and third Wednesday of every month. Please subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast. You can find out more at laughingliberallymke.com. Until next time, take care of yourselves, take care of each other, and we'll see you at the next Laughing Liberally Milwaukee.